Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by the Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale here to take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. I'm coming to you solo today as Vicky is out sick dealing with some side effects from the COVID booster. Vicky, we hope you shake that off quickly. But in the meantime, today, we'll be headed to some hiking trails around the state, looking at them from a perspective that we tend to ignore some of us anyway. And, you know, trails are often designed for able-bodied hikers, which leaves many areas inaccessible to hikers with disabilities, including those with blindness or people using mobility devices like wheelchairs or walkers. So joining me on the show today is Georgina Moran, who is the founder of Access Recreation, a local organization that has spent the last 20 years just about advocating for hikers with disabilities. Georgina, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So I guess to get started here, why don't you just tell us a little, little bit about your background? I mean, how did you come to, to do this kind of work? Well, you know, I've always been an outdoor enthusiast. And so prior to having a disability, you know, I was an outrigger canoe racer and, you know, did a lot of, a lot of hiking, you know, around the Pacific Northwest. And, um, so yeah, you know, when, uh, you know, I started experiencing a few, um, physical mobility, um, challenges, I started using a power chair in order to, to hike. And I found that, you know, <laughs> coming from an, an able-bodied background, I really didn't have a clue as to whether some of the places I'd been I could use with a power chair. Hmm. So, you know, so I, you know, I live, I live in Portland, you know, really close to the uh, Columbia River Gorge. And I wanted to hike there. So I, uh, you know, looked online to, to see what I could find and um, couldn't get the information. So this is, this is what spearheaded the effort, you know, back in 2003. It's kind of a, a newbie to a, to a power chair. And uh, it just got things rolling. You know, it's, it's amazing 
you know, the last 20 years, what has unfolded, you know, because of, because of my desire to, you know, to play. Well, that's such a strong desire. I think that so many of us can relate to the desire to get outside, to be in nature, to experience that. Tell us about what the experience was of you hiking in that, that wheelchair and that power chair. What were some of the challenges you faced that some able-bodied hikers may not be aware of? For instance, you know, just finding that place, you know, in the, in the gorge. I have a, um, a van that has a, a wheelchair ramp. You know, when I didn't find the information online, I, I, uh, I just set out with three places in mind, you know, and the first one didn't have a place to park. So I couldn't deploy my, um, my ramp. I mean, it was just along the side of the, of the, of the, of the road there. You know, the other one had a place to park, but I could only get like maybe a hundred yards up the trail, this narrow trail. And, uh, before I hit an obstacle, like something that, that crossed the whole tread of the, of the trail, uh, that I, you know, was higher than two inches, you know, so my chair couldn't go over it. So I had to back out the entire way oh my gosh. with somebody kind of like a, like an airline, you know, uh, <sighs> you know, person in front of me, like, you know, no, a little to the left, a little to the right, <laughs> you know, and I was able to get all the way back down to my van where I could, you know, or back to the, the trail head where I could turn around and get back to my van. So, yeah. So the next one, I was able to get on the trail. Um, and, uh, you know, I hit obstacles. I hit this, hit this big rock that they put in there because, you know, I think it was intentional. Um, there was a deterioration, you know, on the trail, but I had to like, you know, maneuver around it. There was a big dent right at the base of the rock. And I had to kind of, you know, climb up the edge of the trail in order to get up. My power chair allows me to go up pretty good steep grades. So that was no problem. And, you know, over loose things, which manual chairs might have an issue with, you know, if I have loose sand, which I did on this, this trail, I, I can, you know, just be brought down to my axles. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, Joaquina Falls Trail, I was able to get all the way up to this beautiful bridge where I could feel the waterfall against my face. Mm. And that's what the experience that I was after. You know, I saw the picture of the bridge on the, on the website. But, you know, if I would have known, you know, what it would take to get up there before I started, um, that would be helpful. You know, I... I may or may not have done it, you know. I mean, this is 20 years ago, so I was much more adventurous than I am now, you know, at 65 years old and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more cautious, <laughs> you know. But uh, again, you know, that's that's mobility. But, you know, other people have, have other things that... Um, that you may not be aware of that that could be an obstacle. Yeah, it sounds like you you went through a lot of this sort of trial and error process, going to some of these places, seeing it, figuring out what you know how far you could get, what obstacles were there. But what I've, I've been hearing you, um, you know, when you talk about access recreation, it seems like a big part of that is 
providing information to people ahead of time so they know what they're getting into. Is, is that is that right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, so access recreation, you know, is is just like four people. It started out with four. Now it's three. <laughs> it started out as an ad hoc committee of federal, state, and city park agencies, um, representatives that figured out how to um, provide information to people with disabilities. We, we created these guidelines. You know, it's on our accessrecreation.org website. So this was for the agencies to provide better information on their websites. So, you know, the rollout came and everybody was really excited, you know, but they didn't do anything. You know, I didn't see any mm. changes. So we got a couple of grants from Metro and we created Access Trails. Now, that's what you're referring to. Access Trails um, is 36 parks and trails in the Portland-Vancouver region. You know, what we do on these websites are we provide information. So people, you know, like, like pictures with descriptions, for, you know, people that are blind won't be able to know what a picture looks like. So we, we provide, uh, you know, descriptions with the pictures, uh, not just the pretty pictures, <laughs> but ones on about the trail, you know, something, you know, that may talk about, you know, frequency of benches, you know, we provide a map, you know, with the different amenities along the trail, you know, we, we do kind of like a one to three mile uh, loop, you know, that incorporates as many amenities as possible with as many trail surfaces as possible. And then we've got this thing called Trail Facts at a Glance, which gives you all the vital information, like, is there public transit? Hmm. What's the currency of the information that we're providing? Yeah, is, uh, you know, we, we do kind of like a rating system. Is this easy, moderate, difficult? Um, and then we kind of explain in a, you know, um, on the, in the guidelines, what that rating system means. And then sometimes, you know, we've got 18 videos and the videos are, um, it's been a learning process with those too. You know, um, you know, the first video we did, one of my colleagues who's blind said, uh, yeah, well, I got nothing out of that one, <laughs> you know, and it was like, Oh, right. You know, if you're blind, mm -hmm. you know, there's got to be narration that really addresses what's in the video. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's access trails. What I, what I love about access trails is if you kind of, you mentioned this, that the photos you have on there, uh, the information you have on there is like really basic stuff that is so easily overlooked. I mean, it's, I'm so used to when I write a story about a hike, I am used to putting up pictures of, you know, the, the viewpoint and the waterfall and, you know, the forest and all the stuff. But when I go to access trails, I see pictures of things like the parking lot and the, you know, the lip of the bridge, um, all these details Sometimes that are Sometimes the inside important. of a bathroom. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And this it's super, super important information for people. It, it seems like the work, what, I, what I've been hearing from you, the work is, is to not only 
provide this information through access trails, but then to get other places to also provide this information, say Oregon State Parks or U.S. Forest Service um, or U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So can you talk a little bit about sort of how your advocacy has um, evolved it to the point where it is now, or maybe you're, I, I've been, you know, we talked before this, um, for this recording about some of the work you've been doing. It sounds like there's been an effort to get some of these agencies to provide this information on their own. Yeah, that's our sole focus now. So what we do now is Access Recreation does trainings for these agencies. This has generated a, um, you know, we've got a cooperative agreement now with the Fish and Wildlife Service. They want to make one of their refuges the premier site of all the guideline principles that we created. So, um, so yeah, so we did training with some of their youth employment individuals and uh, with their staff. We did a national fish and wildlife training uh, with their director. So, yeah, so that's happening. Um, you know, Wilsonville contacted us, you know, to do a training. You know, we've got, you know, a couple other irons in the fire. The uh, Trail Keepers of Oregon that created the, um, you know, kind of a, you know, a go-to uh, book on hiking trails in Oregon. You know, they want to do an update of all their hiking trails based on uh, the guideline principles. So we, uh, you know, they contracted us to, to do two trainings so far with a, um, uh, a virtual uh, that's all about the, the guidelines and, and access trails and how to do it. And then a on-site uh, training where they actually take the lead and hmm. go on the trail and take pictures and take measurements and, you know, um, gather the information so that they can learn how to apply it on their, in their book. So again, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're hoping that it's going to start spreading um, amongst agencies so that they can do this. And again, you know, part of the reason why they, they're, they've been hesitant, they, they know they've got information that people could use, you know, um, but they're afraid of liability. They're afraid mm -hmm. of saying something might be usable um, because if somebody gets hurt, they're liable. Yeah. So what we do on access trails is we we just say what it is, you know, what you're going to encounter. We don't say accessible or usable unless it's uh, an ADA bathroom, you know, something that, you know, that has an accessible parking space. Um, you know, that way we take the liability right off the day, right off the, you know, it's not an issue. Now the trainings um, are going to be it. You know, it's, it's going to be hopefully what changes their, their reticence 
you know, any chance I get, I get to you know, be able to promote this, you know, like on your blog, you know, I'm all in. <laughs> well, you, you've mentioned, um, you know, these guidelines and without necessarily getting too deep into the weeds about them, I wonder if you could tell us a, l- a little bit about what these guidelines are that you're bringing to agencies. The guidelines are in two different parts. One is like, you know, seven different things that you can do that, that information that you already have, you know, it's for agencies, you know, information, you know, like what's a telephone number that'll go to a human being rather than Mm. a machine. Is there a, a bus, you know, that goes there? What is your address, a physical address? So somebody that is perhaps using a lift service, you know, you can't go to a place unless it's got a physical address. You know, so all of that information, you know, is is what we would say are the the top tier. Then the second tier within in the guidelines is things that might be a little cost, you know, like taking having a staff person go out and take pictures, improving your, you know, your website with um, with a description that might be more usable, you know, creating that map, you know, with the icons. That's basically what the guidelines is about. And, you know, the guidelines also is a wealth of information for people that want information on how to design a trail, people that want information about, um, you know, different disabilities, and uh, it's got a glossary that's just like miles long. Yeah, that, that sounds like such great information to have. Um, and like you said, a lot of information that is already out there, but just needs to be perhaps organized and made available. Um, and put on the top of your website so you don't have to, <laughs> you know, hand pack, you know, in order to find that telephone number at the very bottom, right. you know, dug in there somewhere, you know, for somebody that uses a reader and is blind. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, it's just a, it's a, you know, a, definitely a hardship. Yeah. You know, it, like we said, kind of at the top, this is, you know, a lot of stuff that those without disabilities of any kind just may not be aware of or may not think about, but obviously hugely important um, to to any hikers who, who do have any kind of disabilities. I wondered, I mean, this might be kind of an obvious question, but I wondered if you could just sort of speak to the importance of getting this information out there, why this is such a big deal. You know, there's, there's certain things, you know, like I said, you know, I wasn't aware of before I, I became disabled, you know, mobility limitations, you know, or like, you know, the grade, the cross slope, you know, stability of the surface and different obstacles, you know, over two inches. But then there's um, things like, you know, people who are slow walkers, you know, they they may need a bench, they may need something in the shade, they may need something in the sun, you know, describe that. Um, then there's, you know, sensory limitations, you know, um, somebody with a, a visual impairment, you know, is there edge protection? You know, is there like a tactile division between surfaces, uh, you know, between the edge? You know, if, if there isn't edge protection, is there like high grass or something they can use with a cane? Um, uh, Braille, tactile maps, you know, 
touchable objects that might be kind of useful or enjoyable, you know, and then like also in sensory, you know, you know, people with auditory limitations, um, if you have a video, is there closed captioning, um, you know, different factors. If you're in an, um, a place where you're watching something, you know, in a visitor center, um, you know, is there a way to combine your hearing aid with, you know, with the existing audible, um, you know, fluorescent lights can just really screw with your hearing. Yeah. And then there's cognitive stuff, you know, people with PTSD, um, again, you know, like if you're going through, if you're going through a deciduous forest and that flickering light can be like a strobe light and that could, mm. you know, mess you up. Um, if the park is near a gun range, which it happens, there's plenty of parks out there that are kind of off the beaten path right next to a gun range, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, that would be an issue, you know, with somebody, you know, and, you know, and also like closed loops can be useful for people that might get lost if they have cognitive disabilities. So, Again, just all that information, it doesn't need to be pointed out. You know, this is for so-and-so, or this is will help with such-and-such. Just provide the information so we can decide for ourselves. Because a lot of people don't consider themselves disabled. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. just they got something, you know? As you and I have talked about before, I, I mean, it's something that, virtually all of us will face to some degree at some point, whether, you know, we find ourselves pushing a baby stroller or we find ourselves with, you know, a broken foot um, or, you know, or like you said, any number of of factors, PTSD, paralysis, blindness. I mean, these things happen to people, especially if we should be so lucky to, you know, live to an old age. Uh, Something that I I think most of us will face to some degree at some point. And your your point about just providing the information seems very reasonable it is it it helps everybody you know i mean that you're right i mean people people have accidents they need to rehabilitate you know having a bench occasionally might be nice (laughs) yeah um you know it's it's it helps it helps everyone yeah and and everybody uses this you know our resource i mean hike it baby which is all about bringing bringing kids out to hike um, they use us almost exclusively, you know, because their information, it, it, it's good to know ahead of time what you're, what you're up, up against, you know, and what kind of, you know, is there a picnic area, you know, and is there, is it covered? Is it rentable? You know, all that stuff, you know, is, it can be easily put out there with pitch, pictures and descriptions, you know, and a lot of these websites, you know, they, they can do that, um, but they just don't know what to do, uh, you know, which, you know, what, what pictures and descriptions are most important. You're obviously not the only one doing this work. So um, I wonder if you can maybe um, shout out a few other organizations or resources that people um, maybe should be aware of. Yeah, yeah. Empowering Access. Um, Ashley Schaefer. You know, 
man, I could name drop her all day long. <laughs> she um, has worked with uh, another organization, um, Oregon Health and um, Outdoor Initiative, and they've uh, developed the um, accessibility toolkit. Um, that's for that's for agencies to use. Um, social media toolkit. Um, again, you know, kind of how to how to make it more open and inclusive, uh, social media wise. Um, the uh, accessible travel guide. Uh, you know, it's kind of a guide. It's it's an Oregon thing. Um, you know, and let's see, uh, disabled hikers guide. You know, it's it's something that you you can Kindle or um, have a you know have a a, a guidebook in your hand of um, Western Washington and Oregon. They've got kind of a a unique way of grading everything. Uh, the whole concept of you know I've only got this many spoons, you know, hmm. as much energy, you know, it's takes two spoons to do this, you know, you know, it, it might use up five spoons if you do this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, so those are those are a couple. Awesome. Well, so a lot of really good stuff out there. Um, and we are going to actually talk to you a little bit more about some of the best accessible hiking areas in this region. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, folks, we are back talking to Georgina Moran from Access Recreation about uh, hiking with disabilities. And Georgina, we talked a lot about some of the advocacy work you have been doing over the last 20 years or so. But I want to talk to you now about some of your favorite hiking spots. This is something we love to do on this podcast is give people some recommendations and places to go. So um, do you have a few in, in the area that, that you really want to shout out? Yeah, boy, I've got. More than a few, but I'll, I'll <laughs> try to try to hone it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we've got we've got like really amazing ones to to hidden gems, and I'm going to start with a hidden gem. Um, okay. Field Fields Bridge Park in West Lynn. So this is uh, it's got it's got parking. You know, it's got a little playground. Um, it's got a uh, a fishing platform, which is pretty awesome. Um, it's got uh, you know it's it it's got like a, a lowered area you know for somebody to to fish from a chair. Um, you know it's uh, it's pretty awesome. You you could also get down to the water there. It's uh, along the twelfth and. Um, 
It's got a story to tell. I, you know, hmm. there's a little mystery that unfolds when you when you take a hike. Um, you know, there's benches along the 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 river's edge. Um, it's a small park, but it packs a wall up. It's pre- pretty good. Okay, uh, wait, but what is this mystery unfolding? <laughs> I'm so oh, curious. Oh, you about want me this. to tell you? Was there? I mean, is this a, like a no spoilers situation or <laughs> like? <laughs> no, I I could tell you. There's a a, a, a meteorite, oh. you know, landed really close to there, and um, it's a story about. Uh, it's because of the you know the ice age. You know, it kind of mm. shoved it down there. Um, and so it kind of tells a story about the meteorite and how somebody came and tried to steal it, but then it was so heavy that it brought <laughs> brought their little wagon down and they couldn't do it and they went to jail and you know um, and then it ended up uh, back to where it started from, you know, somewhere east of here. So it no longer is in the area. But it does. It does have a replica that you could you could touch. We brought um, one of my blind colleagues out there, and she was like, "Oh my god, I could actually touch it! This is so awesome!" Wow. Right? Oh, that's so cool. I've not been out to this park, and I, I'm dying to check it out now that you're talking about it. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Uh, let's see what other. Um, well, okay, I'm going to tell you about another hidden gem, um, Spring Park. Um, Spring it's Park. in North Clackamas. And um, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a simple little park. There's not a lot there, you know, no parking, you know, it's all street parking. Um, but uh, in low tide, you can get all the way down to the Willamette River and cross over to another little island um and uh and that's got it's got tide pools Hmm. um again i wasn't able to go you know because of my my power chair um and it was kind of soft you know when it was when it was low tide um but you know i had a great viewpoint you know of you know the willamette uh you know all the action um so again, I'm I'm drawn to places that have water. Hmm. So um, yeah, so those are those are two. I can give you one more, please. That's uh, that's more over in the um, you know the north and um, you know Smith and Bybee wetlands natural oh, area. Yeah. Oh yeah, right? that's a great spot. Yeah, yeah, you know there's. You know, it's a great place in the spring to um, bring your binoculars and cameras and and see the birds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, there's two um, wetland areas. Uh, there's an area where you can go, you could slip in and go kayaking. Again, some great viewpoints. There's one, you know, a couple that are covered. Uh, if it's raining, um, you know, one that's not. And, um, again, it's just a great place to, to check out wildlife and, uh, you know, enjoy nature. It's a great bird watching spot. We featured, um, a, a local 
bird watching club, the Guerrero Bird Club. Um, folks who listen to that episode may remember um, hearing about Smith and Bybee um, as just a great place with a lot of paved trails, um, you know, yep. sort of flatter areas, but lead you to these really beautiful viewpoints. And that's that's what I love about it. It's just such a nice spot. And right here in Portland. Yeah. 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 It, exceptional place. Okay, Georgina, give give us one more. We have time. Just give us one more little spot. Well, there's uh, Rude Bridge in Hillsborough. Rude Bridge provides a, a number of different things. Um, uh, it again, you can get uh, a viewpoint of the water, you know, the river uh, going by, but not as clear as these others. Um, but it's got it's got like a uh, kind of a waterfall feature. Uh, it's got a big open area where you could, you know, play with your your friends and family, um, picnic areas. Um, again, another pond um, where you can get close and see uh, waterfowl. You know, it's got it's got just a number of paved trails, you know, around there, and a few natural surface trails, you know, along that little pond area. So um, it, it's got, it's just got a variety of different things, you know, and all these that I've given you, they're all different agencies. So, you know, they're all on access trails, but again, you know, how do you find these, <laughs> you know, there's no central, you know, place except for access trails. Well, we're, we're certainly glad that you're, you're coming on today to share some of those with us. Um, so folks, if, if you want to find out some more of these hikes, there are a few dozen of them on accesstrails.org. And you can find out more about Access Recreation at accessrecreation.org. Those two websites are, of course, linked together. Georgina, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Oh, yeah, it's been it's been great. You know, I, I love uh promoting our work and uh thanks for thanks for helping me do it well folks that'll do it for today but until next time you can watch our videos on the oregonians youtube channel and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on oregonlive.com travel as well as hereisoregon.com please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show and if you want to support the podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Also, if you're a fan of the show and are interested in potentially sponsoring it, you can get in touch with our marketing people at advertise at Oregonian.com. This episode of the show is produced by me, Jamie Hale, alongside Vicki Connor and Andrew Thien. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.